The great John Lee Hooker wrote in his song, Boogie Chillin', One night I was laying down. I heard Papa talking to Mama. I heard Papa say to let that boy boogie woogie because it's in him and it's got to come out. What wakes you up at night? The other night I woke up because something was stirring deep inside my soul. You see, we all have these stirrings from time to time and something's off or maybe we're not tracking with what our highest self is. Maybe we're missing something. Uh, That voice, that thing that keeps us up, it's a voice from the shadow. It doesn't shout, but it does need to be listened to, and it can be our greatest teacher. Welcome to the Evolve Podcast. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now, it's time to disrupt. And with that, folks, we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. I am your host, Steve Cutler, and today I want to talk to you about working through the shadow. Before we get started, I want to thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. The Evolve Podcast is part of our passion to provide no cost to consumer content that will help you disrupt your life and evolve into your highest self. So do me a favor if you could and jump on wherever you're listening to this podcast from. Uh, Whatever that platform is, give us a rating. It really helps as an independent podcast for us to grow our listener base. And I can tell you as a coach and consultant and a speaker for over two and a half decades that I know the power in having a coach and a tribe around you to help create clarity, consistency, and accountability in your life. With that in mind, I want to remind you that we offer both one-on-one coaching to help you evolve into your best self. And in addition to the one-on-one coaching, our flagship product, the Evolve Coaching Mastermind, is for men who want to get the most out of their life. You see, these men are above the fold men. These are fathers, they're decision makers in leadership roles, ranging from middle management to the C-suite. They're driven, they're successful in one or more areas of life, but they haven't mastered the four tenets of evolving their body, mind, soul, and tribe. If you find yourself stuck in one area, maybe you're going through that cycle of weight loss and weight gain when the pressures of life, business, family are pushing down on you, then click the link in our bio and let's get some time together to talk about how you can create a path towards evolution. You see, the Evolve Coaching Mastermind, it will help you to evolve your tribe because the men that are in the Coaching Mastermind are just like you. They are decision makers, they're driven, they're fathers, they're people that want to become their absolute best self, and they are tired of that cyclical up and down and all over the place that I know you're used to. So get some time, click the link in the bio, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. And now on to the show. What wakes you up at night? You see, the other night I woke up in the middle of the night and I had an extremely familiar feeling, I guess I could say. It was an interesting situation where I knew something was off inside of my soul, but I couldn't quite pinpoint it at first. And I did what I typically do. I got out of bed, got a drink of water, and moved to my creative space in my house. I have this space where it's set up for creativity. It's got all the beautiful things around me, the things that mean the most. It has photos that remind me of the past and heritage and history. It has 
uh, books that I've been inspired by. It has little knickknacks that either my kids have made and given to me or things that I've picked up along the way that have a lot of sentimental value and power. And as I went and sat down in my creative space, I looked at all of these things and I took a couple of deep breaths and I went deep. And I went deep into the shadow and figured out what the message was. You see, what I found over the years is that the shadow message is there to teach us, but it doesn't scream at us. It doesn't yell at us. And we need time to listen to what that still small voice is teaching us. The shadow is there oftentimes because we have something in front of us. We have a goal. We have a purpose. We have something in our life that is daunting, something that we are destined to achieve. And it's creating a shadow. There's massive light on the other side of it, but we are sitting in the shadow. And I believe that's why the shadow is there and the darkness is there to teach us. Let's talk a little bit about the darkness and what it can teach us. As an artist, I learned a lot over the years between dark and light. Contrast is part of what creates a beautiful painting, which is what my background is in, is in drawing and painting. Darkness is the absence of light. Now, I've heard people say, in fact, I read a post recently from a, uh, a friend that said that they only wanted good vibes in their life. And while I think this uh, idea is well-meaning, I don't think that it's an extremely mature idea because good vibes means that we're not leaning into the darkness. We only want light in our life. But the reality is there is no light without darkness. And that absence of light forces us to do several things, but it also will help us to come to an awareness of several things if we let it. You see, the absence of light is what creates the light. In art, we call it the negative space. If you were to look at a tree, you know, I'm sitting here in my podcast studio looking out the window, and there are these beautiful trees, and behind the trees are some mountains, and those are things that we would call positive space. What's in between the trees is the negative space, and without that negative space, we wouldn't be able to see the trees. If it weren't for the sky that was the background for the mountains, we would not be able to see the mountains. It's the absence of light. It's in the darkness that allows us to see what is in the light. The shadow exists because there's light on the other side of whatever this great purpose is, this daunting task that we need to go after. Now, in addition to the absence of light, I believe that the darkness teaches us that there are black, there are white, and there are grays in life. It's not just black and white. Think about this. The last time you went outside or you were in a room that was relatively dark, there is no such thing as black and white when you're in dark. There are grays everywhere. And I believe that there's a lot of power to that concept. You see, life is not always black and white. There are many grays that we have to work our way through. We have to understand what the nuance of the grays are. There's something that I learned years and years ago when it comes to the way that our eyes look at light and dark and color in the absence of light. 
Now, there are rods and cones, as my old ophthalmologist taught me, in our eyes. And when we are in the dark, we're primarily using the rods. We're not using the cones of our eyes that uh, get into the color. We're primarily just using the rods that allow us to see black, white, and gray. Now, you get rid of color, and you're able to see the gradation, the nuance of life. And I think that's part of what darkness teaches us. We are oftentimes caught up in our life by beautiful colors, by things that look wonderful and things that are enticing and pull us in multiple directions. And yet in doing so, I believe we lose a significant power and ability to see where the grays are in life, to see the nuances of life. You see that bright yellow ball in the sky is wonderful and it provides us a lot of health benefits, but it's the darkness where we start to see where the grays are. And I think this is the same thing in any aspect of your life. When you wake up and you look at your life and you see the job that you have, you see the body that you're walking around in, you pay attention to the relationships that you have in your life and sometimes you can get blinded. But it's in the darkest moments where we can start to see life for what it really is. The color is stripped away and we only see gradations of black, white, and gray. That leads to the third point. When we go away from the black, white, and gray, we see nuance. Nuance in life is something that happens or something that is observed, I should say, when we're in the shadow. We pay attention to nuance. I don't know if you're like me, but if you've ever spent any time in the outdoors at night, whether you were hiking or camping, you pick up on a lot more than you do during the daytime. You see, you're not seeing color, and so your eye is picking up on movement. Now, that can be scary at times. I know that there's times where I've been camping or I've been out on a hike and it's dark and my eyes are picking up on every nuance of movement. Fortunately, I've never been in a situation where my life was significantly in danger, although there was one time where I was hiking in the dark and turned a corner and saw a massive moose not too far from me. But I was aware of it enough and got myself out of there uh, fast enough that it didn't uh, turn into anything. But the nuances that we pick up in the dark are enhanced. When you're sitting there in the middle of the night, the shadow is speaking to you, and there is something that you need to learn, you find the nuances in the shadow. So first is absence of light. Second is black, white, and grays. Third is nuance. And when we say, well, what is the fourth and fifth thing that the darkness teaches us? Well, number four is that we learn to see without seeing. You see, our eyes are the things that we use to process the majority of the world around us. Far too many of us don't train our eyes to see what is out there. Now, if you're listening to me and say, Steve, well, what do you mean by that? Or I don't agree with that. Do me a favor. Give yourself one hour. Go to a place that is the most beautiful place that you can get to. Give yourself one hour and go sit. So if, like me, you live close to the mountains, go find a place 
where you can sit for one hour in the daytime and just look. If you're in a city and the park is the most beautiful place, go sit in the park. What will happen is the longer you sit and the longer you look, the more you become aware. You may not have noticed the tree that's in front of you and the texture of the bark. You may not have paid attention to the way that the light hits the grass. You may not see other things that are going on. Go spend 60 minutes and just watch. Over the years, as we go through life, instead of seeing, we train ourselves to know things. And when we know things, we become blind to what's right in front of us. One of the things that I think that the darkness teaches us is to be able to see without seeing. And what I mean by that is in the absence of light, we have to go internal. We have to see with what we call our mind's eye. When we go internal, we can listen and we can see to what is happening and why the shadow is trying to speak to us. You see, the other night when I was woken up and I couldn't go back to sleep and I got into my meditative state, I realized that there's a deep part of my soul that needs some evolution, that there was a part of me that has been crying out to say, you need to deliver more to this world. You need to give more to this world than what you currently are. You've been living in shadow careers. You have been living in shadow uh, everything. And now it's time to give more of that light out to the world. And so thus, this is one of those episodes where it's born from the shadow. There are many things that came out of my meditation, but this episode is one of those. Number five, after you see without seeing and going deep internally, you learn that fear is often a construct of the mind that lies to us, and it keeps us from stepping into the light of our greatness. Now think about the difference between you and I and, let's say, a Formula One racer. The main difference that you and I have relative to a Formula One racer is that the Formula One racer has trained themselves so that their awareness is so heightened and yet so focused at the same time that they can go around a corner at close to 200 miles per hour or maybe even over that. They can be going down a straight at well over 200 miles an hour. And fear is not something that paralyzes. You see, the rest of us let fear paralyze us because we have not trained ourselves to be aware and to be comfortable. Fear is a construct of the mind. It lies to us. Now, I'm not saying we should ignore our fear. I believe that fear is important in life. It educates us. But we listen to the fear that the ego is telling us far more than what I believe we need to. Now, if I'm driving down the road at 100 miles an hour, should I be fearful that I am going to get a ticket? Yes. If I am uh, trying to bomb down a mountain on my snowboard and I have no skill whatsoever to be doing this double black diamond that has a couple of cliffs uh, on it, should I be fearful? Yes. But... When I wake up in the middle of the night and the shadow is speaking to me, 
Should I be fearful of what it's telling me? I don't think we should. But that fear is coming from inside of us. And one of the things that the shadow and the darkness teaches us is that the fear doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from the deeper part of who you are. It comes from the ego. The ego doesn't want you to grow and doesn't want you to progress and doesn't want you to evolve. Because as soon as you evolve, the ego starts to fall apart. The ego is the construct. It's the stories that you've told yourself up to this point. I'm fat. I can't be successful. I can't lose that last five pounds. I can't truly have a deeply loving relationship. I can't be a masculine man that is also open to my emotions and understands myself. I can't be a loving mother, wife, and business professional. I have to choose. You see, the ego creates the stories. And what I believe that the shadow teaches us is that fear is a construct that lives in the mind and it lies to us and keeps us from stepping into our greatest self. So I believe those are the five things that darkness teaches us. Number one, that there's an absence of light. And that in that absence of light, we learn how to sit and feel in the darkness. Number two, that the blacks, whites, and grays are there to teach us, which leads to number three, a nuanced approach. Number four, we learn to see without seeing which causes us to go deep internally. And finally, fear is a construct of the mind that can keep us from moving forward. So when you feel the shadow and you're woken up in the middle of the night, but you're not sure what's going on, what do you do? Well, let's talk about how to become aware. It's important that you get clear because too many people and I've seen this both in my coaching and consulting in business and in coaching everyone from uh, middle-aged men who want to get into better shape to professional Olympic athletes. They don't get clear. There's something that's keeping them from moving forward and they just continue to stay in that stuck space. So I want to give you three things to get that you can utilize to get clear. Number one is make a note. What is keeping you up at night? When you can't go to sleep, what are the thoughts? When you wake up in the middle of the night, write it down. What is it specifically that's waking you up? And you might say, you know what, Steve? I don't know. I can't remember. Well, as soon as you ask the question, what is keeping me up at night? Or what is waking me up at night? That question will go deep into your subconscious. And within a few days, you'll come up with an answer that you'll be able to write down. The second thing is meditate. If you don't have a consistent practice of meditation or you have not practiced meditation before, learn to meditate and just breathe. Sit still and listen to what comes up. Now, if you're like me where you don't enjoy sitting for very long periods of time, there's other forms of meditation. You don't have to sit in what is called Zen meditation or Zazen where it's a seated meditation. You can meditate in many different ways. In fact, one of my favorite ways to meditate is just to go for a walk. If I go for a walk at night, there's very few people outside and I am able to get in the dark 
And at this time of the year, and the very cold, which is also another key tool to helping you tap into this and get clear. But I walk, and I just pay attention to what's happening inside of my body. As I close my mouth and I open my nose to breathe in and out through my nose while I'm walking, I find that things just bubble up. If I ask questions like what's keeping me up at night or what's waking me up at night, I get answers. Now, it doesn't happen every time, and it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen consistently if I meditate. One of the most powerful tools that I've found and that I have learned how to develop in myself is what's called death meditation. Death meditation is something that Buddhists use as a form of meditation where you meditate on death. And the concept of death meditation is essentially rooted in the idea that everything is impermanent. Now, when you meditate on the impermanence of life and the fact that we will all die, what happens is all of the things that are impermanent do one of two things. They either go away and fade into the ether or they come up and allow themselves to be seen. So through meditation, you can find what it is that's keeping you up and what is speaking to you from the shadow part of yourself. Last tip, do the daily papers. I read a book uh, some time ago about how to clear the way for your creative powers. And the author said that one of the best things to do is do what she called the daily papers. The daily papers are where you write for five to 10 minutes or for five to 10 pages daily and just dump. Get rid of whatever is inside of your brain. You see, the daily papers are not about editing. It's not about a journal that you're going to go back and read. In fact, most of the time, the way that I do my daily papers is the pages sit in a notebook that I can then take out and throw away or I use as kindling for the fire or whatever it is. Um, but I don't, I don't go back and read it. I don't have great handwriting when I'm doing the daily papers. I move as fast as my mind will go. And I literally will dump anything that's happening inside of my mind. And so if I were doing my daily papers right now, I would just write that I see the light coming through the window on the trees. The mountains look beautiful. And I'm doing a podcast. And then I would just keep going from there. The key is to not edit. And what this does for you is it forces your mind to stop editing. You see, we live in ego and we live in this guarded mask on a regular basis. And those aren't necessarily bad things. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't think ego in and of itself is a bad thing. We have to have ego to get up and to put a mask on to say, or an identity on to say, I am a father. I am a husband. I am a wife. I am a lover. I am whatever it is. Those things are not inherently bad. The problem lies in the fact that we don't take the time to open ourselves up on a consistent basis to understand who the true I am is that's inside of us. So let's recap. To become aware, you've got to get clear, and you do that through one of three ways. Number one, note what is keeping you up at night or what is waking you up at night. And if you're not sure, just start by asking that question. Number two, meditate. Find a form of meditation that works well within your practice and utilize that on a consistent basis. 
And number three, do the daily papers. Now, I'll be honest, I don't do daily papers every day. I've done them off and on for the past 10 or 15 years uh, since I read that book. And I find it's an extremely valuable tool at times. I don't need it all the time because I have other tools and techniques that work in my life and what my lifestyle is at the time. But the daily papers are a phenomenal way to get clear when you have a moment where you need to uh, identify what the shadow is saying to you. Now, what happens when multiple things come up? If you're like me, you have a tendency to see all of the negative things that you're doing or the negative things that are within you. And so what do you do when you make the list or when the list tells you that, okay, there's 50 things on here, guy, that you've got to get better at? Or if you're hypercritical, maybe you've got a hundred things that you're not happy with in your life. So what do you do when you have multiple things? Well, this is where I believe you go back and you ask yourself, what is the one thing that's keeping me up at night? What is the one thing that's waking me up? What is the one thing that's creating the most pain? Or what is the one thing that's, that my soul is telling me that I need to address? Over time, when you identify what the most important pain point is, you will start to be able to create a list of priorities from there. Now, I believe a priority list essentially starts with one thing and then everything else is on the back burner because if you learn to listen to your intuition and you are a person that lives from a space of authenticity on a consistent basis, you will find that that one thing often as you dominate and you overcome and you evolve past it, will take care of a multitude of things that are bothering you. Now, if you have at this point what it is that's keeping you up at night or what it is that's waking you up at night and you have gotten clear and been able to get rid of the multiple things that are popping up, now it's time for the so what. The so what question is, so what are you going to do about it? And what I recommend is you start with one-time things. There's two ways to attack a goal. And I'm a big believer in doing both, but I think they need to do, or they need to be done in order. So the first thing that you do when you're setting a goal is you say, what are the one-time actions that I need to do? If there's something keeping you up at night, let's say like your finances, that you are not taking care of your finances, you're managing by not managing, what are the one-time things that you need to do? Do you have recurring payments that need to be canceled? Do you uh, splurge on things that you don't need on a regular basis and you need to cut up the credit card or do some whatever one-time drastic action to get you to shock yourself into a better system? Start by listing out the one-time things first. Next, you need to create some sort of daily motion that you're going to go through to build the habit that you want. Now, I didn't say daily motions, and that's important for a reason. Science and research have shown that we are not able to create multiple habits and multiple skills all at once without a significant detriment to each one of those habits or skills. 
So I found, and both in myself and working with clients over the years, that if you focus on one thing, one daily motion that you believe is going to be a high leverage, I call it a big bang activity. So it's the, it's the activity that has the most impact to change your universe. What is that daily thing? Now, how do you determine what that daily thing is? You ask yourself, if I could do one thing for the next seven days that would get me going in the right direction, what would that be? If I could do one thing for two weeks, and two weeks from now, I know my life would be better, what would that thing be? 30 days from now, if I consistently just checked the box on one thing, and I accomplished it at least 80% of the time, what is that one thing? When you answer those three questions, you get to the point where you will be able to identify what the daily motion is for you. So if you want to lose weight and the, one, and the shadow is telling you that your health is not where it needs to be, well, maybe the daily motion is that you're just going to walk every day for at least 30 days. And that one thing will shift your habits. Now, if you want to lose weight and you need to start with the one time, well, maybe the one time thing is that you are going to give up and throw away the Twinkies that are in the pantry. If you give up the Twinkies in the pantry one time and the daily motion is going for a walk, you're probably on the right path. But here's the key. I'm a big fan of growth, education, and development, but I don't believe that evolution comes from a book. I don't believe evolution comes from a podcast. I don't believe that evolution comes from motivation. And I know that sounds funny because you're listening to a podcast right now, but what I would rather you do is listen to what's inside of you when it comes to your own personal evolution. And so when you ask yourself, what is the one thing that if I did this consistently for seven days, if I did this consistently for 14 days, if I did this consistently for 30 days, that would make the biggest impact on my life, listen to that intuition. Now, I'm not saying your intuition is completely honed in and right, and I'm not saying that it's right most of the time. Because what we find in life is that our intuition is an outpouring of our current beliefs. But I also believe that by asking that question, we learn to tap in to the deeper part of ourselves that can help to educate towards who we ultimately are. And so there's power in asking that question because you're developing the muscle of tapping in to the deeper part of you the I am that's eternal, the deep part of your soul that knows what your ultimate evolution and your ultimate destiny is. So ask the question, what is that daily motion? I believe all of this comes back to the Japanese concept of Ikigai. And this concept is really about showing the reason for being. Why are you alive? It's the motivating source. It's the deepest part of you. It's understanding what your why is and getting you closer to it. I believe that the shadow speaks to us, that the darkness is communicating to us what needs to happen in order for us to reach our true ikigai. Now, there's four con 
uh, components of Ikigai. It's, it's the confluence of what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you can get paid for. And I think those four things are critical. Because when you think about what you love, you tend to lean in better and have more brilliance when you're in love with something. Now, see, love is the most powerful force in the universe. If I want to lose weight and I do it out of self-hatred, well, there's, a, there, there's an expiration date stamped to my diet. There's an expiration date stamped to my workout plan. But if I want to lose weight because I love the feeling of being vibrant, energetic, looking and feeling my best, there's no expiration date stamped there. The second one is what you're good at. Now, I'm not saying that only do things that you're good at because too many people have no idea what they're good at until they're thrown into challenges and they're forced to grow in a different way. So challenge yourself, but also take things that you know you're good at and find ways to weave them in. The third is what the world needs. We're connected. Every single one of us is connected. In fact, as you're sitting here listening to this podcast, I know that you can feel, based on the words that I'm saying, the way that I'm saying it, but there is something in the ether of the universe that is speaking to you, and you're feeling the connection. You're not here with me in this little podcast studio that I have, but you are. We're together. And whether you're driving in the car, you're walking on the beach, or you're in the gym, it doesn't matter. You see, we're all connected. And there is something that you have that the world needs. There is something that you bring to the table that's unique to you. And so when you understand what the shadow is saying, relative to this concept of Ikigai, you have to say to yourself, okay, what do I have that the world needs? And finally, what can you get paid for? Economics is critical to life. Understanding how we get all of the things that we need to take care of ourselves and our families is critical. Now, when you wake up in the middle of the night, your soul might be telling you that you've been a jerk to your spouse, that you have... Uh, been passive aggressive, that your communication is poor and that you need to improve it. So are you going to get paid by improving that communication? Well, maybe not directly, but I do believe that the concept of Ikigai is an eternal concept. And let's just play with this thought for a second. Let's say that you tend to be a fairly passive aggressive person. And in that passive aggression, you are being told through the shadow that it's time to change that. You are constantly jabbing at your partner. You're doing things that are uh, where you're running away. You know what your pattern is, right? Well, guess what? You're the same person in every other area of life. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you want to put on the mask at work and say, but I don't do that at work. I only do that at home. Those patterns exist everywhere. Passive aggressive people get paid in passive aggressive ways. The return on your investment of being passive aggressive will get paid back to you in those ways. As you improve your ability to communicate what's alive inside of you, and if you have, if, if I'm speaking directly to you and you say, yes, Steve, I'm a passive aggressive communicator, 
uh, and I'm not sure what to do, go pick up Marshall Rosenberg's book on uh, nonviolent communication and go back through and listen to the episode that my wife and Miles and I did about how to communicate in relationships and the power of practice there. So the fourth piece of this, of what you get paid for in the Ikigai concept is you are getting paid. You are getting a return on whatever you're investing and whatever you're putting out there to the world. The shadow speaks to you and the shadow communicates. And I believe that getting out of the challenge, the problem, the obstacle, whatever the communication is that the shadow is telling you lies in this concept of Ikigai. What you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what you get paid for. And when you lean into those areas, you are going to be able to step into a more evolved version of yourself. What is it that's waking you up at night? Again, as I told you at the beginning, I woke up the other night because something was stirring deep inside my soul. We all feel these stirrings from time to time, and it's a way of our soul telling us that something's off. We're probably not tracking towards our highest self, our most evolved version of who we are. We're missing something. Don't ignore that shadow. Don't ignore that voice. It is there to serve you. It's there to help you to take the next steps towards your path of ultimate evolution. And on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Remember that it takes time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Evolve Podcast. Follow us on your favorite podcast app, and if you haven't done so, please give us a rating. As an independent podcast, it really helps us get more reach. This podcast is part of our mission to help millions of people evolve into the best versions of themselves. Please check out our coaching services at evolve-cast.com or pick up some of our Evolve merch. Until next time, keep evolving.